Labor Day weekend is one of those annual markers of the end of the summer and the start of the fall. Well, this Labor Day weekend is another kind of a marker of something ending and something beginning. Because we as a church are coming literally to the end of what I have often told you and described as the interim season. And you've heard me often describe the interim season as a winter season. And like literal seasons, we transition into another one eventually. That's what's happening here. The interim is coming to an end. And by God's grace, Lakewood as a church is going to be entering into a new season of Christ-honoring ministry. As we make this transition in these next couple of weeks, I want to take the next two Sundays to focus our attention on an often overlooked but very critical reality. But to do so, I need to tell you a little bit of Tara Lawton's story. Tara lives in Chicago, and she quit going to her health club. Oh, she needed to continue to go there because she weighs about 280 pounds, so she is grossly overweight. When she was interviewed by the Chicago Tribune, she said she quit going to her health club because she sensed she just didn't fit in. People always seemed to be staring at her and silently judging her body. As many have acknowledged, um, that's the problem with many fitness clubs. They are their own worst enemy, for they alienate the very people who need their help. Because they feature in advertisements young men and women with toned abs and beautiful-looking bodies and sleek, hip fitness attire, So they cater to people who really don't have a desperate need. And so even though most of us, like Tara, we don't buy into that unrealistic picture of having to be a model in order to go to one of these clubs, yet we get discouraged at at finding a place where it's okay not to be in shape. Fortunately for Tara, she stumbled upon downsize fitness. And Downsize Fitness is a very uniquely different health club because they welcome extremely unfit people and then walk beside them as they work through a program to get healthy and to shed pounds. Tara has no dreams of ever being a model or ever having a model's body, but she is absolutely thrilled that in the two months where she has been going to Downsize, she has already lost 20 pounds. Now, being, well, maybe being out of shape or being overweight is not your problem this morning, yet how many of us can relate to not fitting in? How many of us this morning, maybe there's a responsive cord that we have to Tara's heart of what she wants and what she then found? Folks, it is incredibly powerful to be welcomed into an accepting environment where it's okay not to be okay and then to have someone walk alongside you believing that you do have a better future. Folks, that is powerful stuff. 
And that's not only what draws people to downsize fitness in Chicago. It's also what drew people to Jesus. During his lifetime on earth, we know as we, if you read through any of the four gospel accounts that Jesus constantly attracted crowds around him. In the crowds, there were the successful and there were the suffering. There were the famous and there were the infamous. There were men, there were women, there were children, there were Jews, there were Gentiles. It was literally an eclectic mob that was constantly around our Savior. So what was so compelling about him? What drew them in? Well, we know that it was more than just the miracles because a number of those people, in fact, probably the majority of those people in the crowds, didn't come needing the supernatural. For some, it was his teaching, though that didn't explain it all. Yes, he was an incredible orator, and he was able to keep a crowd riveted for almost a whole day. Not too many people can do that. But it was more than just his teaching. I'm convinced that what compelled people was not just that he preached the gospel, but that he also lived it. To come into his presence was to be welcomed, even if your life was a mess. And then he had this way of pointing you towards a better future that you didn't even believe was possible. There's no better place to see this compelling quality of Jesus than in the early chapters of the Gospel of Mark. You have your Bibles, you have your device, turn there, if you would, to the very end of Mark chapter 1. For what we're going to do over these next couple of Sundays is to examine two events that happened, one right after the other, that demonstrate why back then and why even now today people find Jesus to be so compelling. Now, if you know much about Mark, if you've read him and compared him to the other gospel writers, you know that Mark has a very unique writing style. He uses a minimum of words, and he, has, and he puts what he writes down in very quick-moving action. The effect of all of this is to give those who read what he wrote a sense that I've got a front-row seat to what's happening. He tells the story so vividly, it leaves you with the impression that you were literally there when it happened. So what was it like to be around Jesus? How did he treat people? What do his conversations tell us about his heart? Was he indeed welcoming? And did he really care about the future of those that he met? Again, if you have not already done so, Mark chapter 1, we're going to begin at verse 40 and go down to verse 45. The story begins with someone who, shall we say, came to Jesus and had a very unique physical appearance. We're told in the opening words of Mark 1, verse 40, that this man had an obvious need. Look at just the opening words. And a leper came to him. Now, we are so far removed from the culture and the conditions of that day that we need to review some critical facts so that we can enter into the story here. 
First, we are told that this man has leprosy, which means he was in a repulsive condition. The word Mark uses leprosy to describe this guy physically doesn't necessarily mean that he did have the literal disease of leprosy. That word was used to describe a number of horrific skin disorders that created severe consequences for people. So physically, these kinds of diseases turned a person's appearance into something hideous. The skin sometimes would have blotches that were bright red, bright white, or incredibly black. Scabs, rashes, or open oozing sores were oftentimes visible. In some cases, fingers, toes, ears, even whole hands had withered and just fallen off. And because of the Old Testament law, Leviticus 13, verses 45 and 46, if a person had this kind of a skin disorder, they had to tear their clothes, they, ha- they, co- they had to leave their hair unkept, and anytime someone came near them, they had to cover their mouth and yell out, I'm unclean, I'm unclean, which means they couldn't live in town. They had to stay outside of the city in desolate places. The impact socially on a person with this kind of a disease is incredibly obvious. Others are repelled and repulsed by their appearance. What they see when they look at an individual like this is disgusting. It's it's sickening. If you get too close, you're going to get nauseated. So at this time, people who were leprous were ostracized. They were avoided. No one wanted to be around them. They're always then on the outside. They're never let in. They can never get involved. They can never share and be a part of things. They make other people uncomfortable just by being around. So all of that as background makes what this guy does so unexpected. For this man takes a surprising initiative. Look at how the rest of verse 40 happens. It says, he came to him, Jesus, imploring him and kneeling before him. So here we have this guy walking right up to Jesus, falling to his knees and begging him. There's an immense amount of risk to what he has just done. Because this is not only socially unacceptable, it's biblically disobedient. So the first risk he took was the risk of rejection. He could literally face the possibility that people would jump back from him, begin yelling at him to leave. Hey, what are you doing? You don't belong here. Get out. That's a real possibility. The second risk he took is recorded at the very end of verse 40. It's in his request. He says, if you will you can make me clean. Notice, he believed that Jesus had the power to heal him. What he didn't know was whether Jesus was willing to do it for him. He had done it for others, but would he heal me? Total sidebar here. 
Anybody, anybody here ever have that kind of question? Now look at verse 41 because the, the focus shifts here. And we get Jesus' incredible response. As we look at these two verses, notice there's going to be three important qualities to see in how Jesus responds to this guy. First, pouring out of Jesus, verse 41, is pity. Not contempt, not disgust, but pity. Pity is that deep-seated emotion that combines compassion and sympathy together. Literally, it bothered Jesus that this man had this horrendous skin disease. Second response of Jesus. Motivated then by pity, Jesus reaches out and touches him. Now, remember the scenario. Remember what Mark has just told us. This man is on his knees. So for Jesus to reach out and touch him would touch him where? On the head or possibly on the face. Friends might slap us on the back, shake our hands. Really good friends might give us a hug, squeeze our arm. But it is only a lover who will touch our hair, our head, our face. And where other men might in that situation hide behind their position, their wealth, or their status, Jesus extends a personal touch to the repulsive, to the disgusting, to the gross. Folks, don't miss it. It's okay not to be okay with Jesus. But it doesn't stop with a touch. There's a third response of Jesus that we can't afford to miss. Notice in verse 41 and verse 42, Jesus then says, I will be clean. He confirms his willingness. He speaks the word, verse 42, and immediately the leprosy left him and he was made clean. Under my you. But we need to read stories like this and allow it to, for us then to sit back in our chairs with a whispered, wow. See, Mark is passionate in the way he writes that he, he wants us to enter this story to realize how much we are like this leper. Yeah, we're like this leper. How? Probably not physical. But I would dare to suggest this morning that every single one of us here in this room has something in our life that if known by others, they would find it repulsive. In fact, we know what it is, and so we desperately hide it out of a deep fear that others will discover how unclean we really feel on the inside. And we don't even like that part of us. We're scared that if others knew what, who we really are, that they would, it would sicken them and that they would withdraw from us out and, or literally tell us, just go away. I don't want to be around you. So what do we do instead? We keep a safe distance. We stay on the perimeter of relationships. Hi, how are you? How about them Vikings? Yeah. But that's about as deep as we go. 
We isolate ourselves. We rarely invest ourselves because of the panic of what might happen if somebody knew who I really am on the inside. See, this story has this fascinating way of kind of worming its way into our lives if we let it, and it gets us to ask, isn't it time for any of us to take a risk? See, the leper, he was tired of the consequences of being a leper. He wanted healing, so he takes a risk. So who here is tired of living in isolation, of living in a removed sense from relationships? Who here is tired of living behind the protective walls that you have built or behind the masks that you give to other people? Who is ready to do something that might even appear to be socially unacceptable in order to find healing? Maybe the answer to all those questions that I've just asked is found in knowing how Jesus will respond to us this morning. That we will be met with compassion. That he aches for us because of the addictions that have us in bondage, because of the wounds that we resist admitting. In other words, he feels our pain He feels our regrets. He feels deeply those choices we have made. And he is a lover like no other. And he wants to bring his touch to our lives. He wants us to be healed. He wants us to be clean. And boy, do I wish the story ended there. But it doesn't. It takes a dramatic and unexpected turn, which at first you might find puzzling. But what happens now in verse 43 to verse 45 is a move from the man's obvious need to his obscure need. Look at verse 43. And Jesus sternly charged him and sent him away at once. Whoa! What is it with Jesus' stern tone there? Well, the word Mark uses, stern, literally describes Jesus as being furious, but he's not furious in anger. Rather, he's furious in a frantic desperation. In other words, Jesus knows what this man does next is critical. Something in this guy's life is balancing on a knife edge. He's in, in other words, this guy's in a precarious position. So Jesus gets in his face and makes it extremely clear the seriousness of the next step he takes. Okay, what is Jesus' specific directions then to this guy? Verse 44. And he said to him, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go. Show yourself to the priest and offer for your cleansing that which Moses commanded for a proof to them. So why should he not tell anybody else what happened? See, Jesus did not want fame as a miracle worker. Yeah, he performed a lot of miracles, but the miracles he performed were part of a larger, deeper purpose. So the instruction to go to the priest and show himself as clean and offer a sacrifice 
is literally a summary of the instructions found in Leviticus chapter 14. The sacrifice of an animal's life in the Old Testament system was the symbolic ritual of seeking God's forgiveness. So in other words, the ritual of a sacrifice acknowledged the only solution I have for getting rid of my guilt is for God to forgive me. Okay, so what does that have to do with the leper's healing and cleansing? Put it all together. The reason Jesus is so forceful in his tone of voice and specific about the man's next steps is that the physical cleansing of his flesh is meant to lead him to see his need of the cleansing of his soul. So a person can be miraculously healed of their disease or ailment, but if, it, but if they never experience the forgiveness of God, then nothing of real value has occurred. Jesus wanted this guy to go deeper and further than the physical healing to the richest healing of all, and that is divine forgiveness. So what happens next? Look at the first word of verse 45, because it kind of alerts us to it. But... So here we have the deficient response. Hmm. Instead of going deeper, instead of going further, he settled for the immediate thrill of his physical cleansing and shared that fact with anyone who would listen to him. And to a degree, we can understand. I mean, who doesn't enjoy having a good story where the supernatural is a part of it? Because people here hear it will then go, ooh, ah. But it damaged Jesus' ministry. Notice the irony of what just happens. Look at verse 45. But he went out and began to talk freely about it and to spread the news so that Jesus could no longer openly enter a town but was out in desolate places. The two guys changed positions. Where he was once out in the desolate places and couldn't come into town, now Jesus has to do that. It damaged Jesus' ministry. It created this volatile atmosphere that we know in other stories of craziness where people were simply looking for the amazing. So Jesus now has to stay out of the cities and towns. He can't go in. Jesus wants this leper to be healed, but then to take it further and deeper, he started with the guy's obvious need and then wanted the man to face his obscure need. So let me ask, what about us? What about us? Now again, remember Mark's intent. He wants us to enter this story, even this last part of it, so let me ask again, as I did just a few moments ago, who here this morning is tired of living like that leper? Tired of holding that part uh, that feels so unclean, of hiding it, of scared of rejection, but absolutely petrified of what might happen if you opened that door, or that part of your life, you opened it wide to Jesus Christ. What happened? Let me assure you, you will be welcomed with compassion. Folks, that's the heart of our Savior. There is a willingness on His part 
to bring you healing, and he's got the power to make it happen, and it bothers him with what he sees and what he knows. But before you take that step, remember Jesus wants you to go all the way. Your future involves nothing less than cleansing at its deepest level, experiencing the forgiveness of God. Let me tell you a little bit about another person. Not just Tara Lawton, but Chris Simpson. Chris Simpson, two years ago, led a white pride march. Six months ago, he abandoned the white supremacist movement that he was a part of, and this last April, he was baptized. Simpson is a 38-year-old garbage man who was a former Marine, and he had the words pure hate tattooed across his knuckles. He was a man that was just consumed with anger and hatred. Simpson says of himself, hatred will blind you to so many things. It consumes you. It started with the loss of his first child when Chris realized that he was just full of this anger and hate that was just building up on the inside of him. And the white pride movement gave Simpson a place to direct his anger and his bitterness, and it was at other races. Things began to change, though, when the family went on a shopping trip to Walmart. Believe that. It did, though. They were shopping and going up and down the aisles, and as they turned to come down to the next one, one of his children looked down that aisle, then up at, his, at her dad and said to him, Daddy, you can't go down that aisle. There's a, and she used the N-word to describe the person that was there shopping. Simpson was shocked at what came out of his daughter's mouth. And he said it was a wake-up call. It was a time to make a change. If for no other reason for them, I didn't want them following my path of anger and hatred. Soon after, his family together one evening watched the movie Courageous, which led Simpson to begin attending church, which led Simpson a few weeks later to accepting Jesus Christ as his Savior, which led him a month later to be baptized as a follower of Jesus. Simpson says, all of the burdens I carried before, Jesus helped me to let them go. There's no need to carry things that happened in the past, so I forgave all those who wronged me, and I asked forgiveness from those who I had hurt. <laughs> Simpson's left hate behind. There is no explanation for that apart from the touch of Jesus Christ on his life. In fact, he's even going through the Freedom Inc. Tattoo Removal Program, but he's only removing one word. Remember the two words on his knuckles? He's only removing the word hate, leaving the word pure. Folks, Chris was welcomed by Jesus even in his repulsive, hate-filled life. So was this leper. A better future opened up for him as a transition occurred by the power of the touch of Jesus. 
cleanse by the Savior. Anyone here feeling like that leper? Anybody here want the power of being welcomed when you're not okay and pointed to a better future? That's what made Jesus so compelling. Let's pray together. Maybe this morning you don't know Jesus as your personal Savior. And this is a morning where I'm just going to ask you, do you want to open up wide the doors of your life to Him? He knows what's there already. Are you willing just to open them wide open, admitting to yourself, admitting to Him, that repulsive, hideous part of you that needs His healing, cleansing touch? Maybe you just need to pray something like this. Jesus, I'm scared to death to come to you this morning, but you know what? I am so tired of hiding this. And so I bring that part of my life to you, needing your cleansing, your healing. I need your forgiveness. I believe you've got the compassion and the willingness to do it, so I'm asking you, will you cleanse and forgive me right here as my Savior? Some of you know Jesus, but there are closets in your life that you've nailed the door shut and you need to open those doors this morning. You need to say, Lord Jesus, I've been hiding this for so long, scared of what others might think of me, but now I realize I don't have to be scared of what you think. That you'll touch, you'll bring healing, you'll bring cleansing, you'll bring the forgiveness I need. And I ask you for that right now, please. Father, how can we say thank you enough that you are never repulsed by us, you're never disgusted by us. Your love is just too deep, too rich for that. And that's why you went to the cross. You went to the cross so that any and all forms of that which we need to be forgiven for we're forgiven by the penalty you paid for us. Again, how can we say thank you enough for that pity, that compassion, and that love? Father, we are so grateful. Grateful for how you want to touch our lives. Grateful for the cleansing that we can experience in Jesus. And we thank you for that in his wonderful name. A.